Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. For the word. Are you excited for the Word of God this morning? That was five. How many excited about the Word of God? Come on. Well, get your Bibles out, get your, get your tablets out, get your phone, however you follow in the Bible. I want you to take notes. We're going to continue the series that we've been doing, and we put a little twist uh, last week on it, and we're entitling it Life Lessons from Biblical Characters. How many were here last week? Man, the Lord moved last week. How many were here? The, I mean, the, the, the teaching of the Word, but the display of the Holy Spirit at the altar call was powerful. People were giving me testimonies. They said, I felt things leave me. I felt tormenting things leave me. Come on, say amen to that that. Aren't you glad we're a church that don't put God in a box? I love every church, but we're not a cookie cutter church. We, we allow the Holy Spirit to move. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves, that means things get messy. But that's good because there's freedom. Amen? I think we're tired of sitting in dead churches. Amen. See, there was a great amen to that one. <laughs> All right, let's turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, and then uh, I'm going to, after we, after we uh, preach to you, after I speak the word, we're going to have fun, we're going to fellowship, and we're going to love on people, we're going to give backpacks away, and we're just going to be loved in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, I want you to see this, very popular portion of scripture, but I'm following up my message on last week where Peter uh, was diving into compromise and the things that God was highlighting last week at the progression of compromise in Peter's life. But I want to share this because God has given me a, a really powerful revelation of, listen, I want everyone to listen to me, how God sees weaknesses and how versus how you see weaknesses and how he responds to your failures. How he responds to your weakness and how you see God because of weakness in your life and failure in your life and how God sees you versus the way that you see yourself. Now, remember last week we talked about the three things that, that um, Peter did. Number one, Peter, where he was prophesied that he would, he would uh, Peter would prophesy, sorry, Jesus prophesied that Peter would deny Jesus three times. Now, I don't know about you, there's something, if I, if I hear a preaching and someone says that, that's fine. But if Jesus himself says, I'm going to do something... And deny him, and I still deny him, that would be a lot of shame attached to that failure. All right? How many of you swore up and down that you'll never do, do X, Y, Z, and you know that the Lord says don't do that, and you did it anyways? How did that make you feel? Most of you, if you're not careful, you, you, you'll, you'll exit the church for several years because of the guilt and shame of a wrongdoing that you did that you knew Jesus told you not to do, and you did it anyways. And Jesus, the Bible says, was prophesied over Peter that he would deny him. And Peter said, no, I'm not going to deny you. And these were the three progressions that we talked about last week. Jesus, I'm just a review for those of you who weren't here that I want to pick up in this scripture here. The Bible says that Peter, when they arrested Jesus, hear me now, this is very important, especially if you weren't here, followed Jesus at a distance. Say distance. Here's the, here's the revelation of that, that many people are still following Jesus and never said that Peter was not following Jesus. It would be a very big eye-opener and a no-brainer if Jesus said Peter was no longer following him. But he was following Jesus, but at a distance. And the, and the start of compromise is when the church starts continually following Jesus, but they decide to follow him at a distance. And so that was the first warning sign. He followed at a distance. Why at a distance? Because this is review. Because at a distance, there's no accountability for your actions. At a distance, there's not people that are, are, are calling you and checking up on you. At a distance, you do barely enough to be uh, noticed as somebody that is drifting away. 
The Bible, next thing that he said was that Peter, that Peter then sat among them. That's the other progression. So it starts at, you follow at a distance. You don't show up uh, to, to, to activities anymore. You don't show up to Christian activities anymore. You don't show up to church. You start following at a distance. The second progression, if that's not healed, we talked about, is that, you, that he sat among them. Now, sat among them is just a nice way of saying he was blending in with a worldly lifestyle. It's a sad day when we as believers are blending in with the, the, our carnality, our lust, and our sinful nature, and we can't tell apart a Christian from, from a person that doesn't know or want the Lord. The Lord loves everyone, but he, here's the thing. He, he, he wants you to come as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay as you are. Do you understand? Well, God tells me he just come as you are. Yes, come as you are, but he's going to put his spirit in you so that you won't desire that stuff anymore. Amen? And then, of course, the third thing is that he straight denied the Lord. Now, I say this because I want you to see how our beautiful Lord sees us even when he knows we're going to make a mistake. I want to say something I prophesied to you. If you've ever, if you're alive, you're going to make a mistake. But it does not disqualify you. Your mistakes does not disqualify you. Your failures do not disqualify you. Not only from God's love, but watch this, from his assignment that he said originally he was going to do through you. A lot of people still know, well, I know God still loves me, but my calling is over. That's not true. I want, you to, I want you to see something. Now, the Bible says, he says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I am? Okay? Now, you guys heard the story. Just follow me. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? I could go on a tangent on that, but I won't. Who do you say that I am? Not what Pastor George says, not what that anointed preacher say, not, not, what, not, not what Hillsong or Bethel say. What do you, who do you say that I am? Who, what's your own relationship with Jesus? Do you have your own relationship with Jesus or do you have a famous uh, 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 band's relationship with Jesus? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. Now, who are we talking about here? Peter. Okay, I'm, I'm extending on the life of Peter here. You're the son of the living God. This is Peter who denied, who was going to deny just shortly the Lord and the Lord would prophesy. So, so watch this. This is Peter saying the right things. Blessed are you, Jesus said, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now look up at me. Jesus sees your potential and calls your potential out of you. Watch this. Because he sees you from a healed state, not only from your current state. Jesus, the Bible says, by his stripes we are already healed. So when Jesus sees you, he sees you from the end, from the beginning. He knows that you're struggling, but he sees the healed you because he sees what other people don't see in you. And so Jesus, what he's doing in here, he, Jesus knew, hear me now, that just shortly after he would say, ask this question and Peter would respond in a great way, he knew that, that Peter would deny him and fail him. Yet, yet, yet Jesus did not stop not only loving him, but affirming the call of God in his life. Listen to me. Here's the powerful thing. Jesus has the ability to call purpose in you when you feel like, all your life is jacked up in that moment. I want to. I want to say this to you because what, what you did, what you, uh, what you, if if you keep reading, if you keep reading, re reading uh, on it, 
He says, uh, says, bless you, you summoned by Jonah. Then he says, and I call you the rock. He called Peter rock. Everybody say rock. Say rock. You have to understand that if you understand how God looks at us in the midst of failure and that our, our, our not only identity but our calling is secure, we will run to the Father, not away from him when we fail. Let me tell you something. We have all failed. It's how we respond to failure that determines if we're going to get up and follow the Lord or run away in shame. Because it's easier to run than to feel the consequence of your failures. And many people run because they don't see that. Now, now Jesus gave Simon a new name in the Aramaic. It's called it's, uh, Cephas. And some of you that have been around for a while, which means rock, which means unmovable, which means stable. Watch, I'm going somewhere with this. He called Peter rock, stable, reliable, when everything in Peter's life was unreliable. He called Peter, you are reliable, you are stable. And and, and while he's prophesying this, just moments later, he's unstable saying, yes, I'm never going to forsake you. And then that same day, Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're going to forsake me not one time, not two times, three times. Oh, I'll never do that. He was so unstable in his mind. How many people have said yes to something and then you felt like you were just crazy because you think that you swore you would never do, you would start doing and falling into I'm preaching good this morning. And this is where condemnation comes. This is where feelings of failure come. Do you know that Michael Jordan, uh, uh, you know, I'm a Magic Johnson fan, but, uh, but Michael Jordan, you know, you got to give him props. Do you know that Michael Jordan failed more times than he won? They say that Michael Jordan, I think, missed seven out of ten. I'm not sure the whole statistic, but some of you ballers could probably correct me on this. But he missed more game-winning shots than he made. But here's the thing, if you, if you are trapped by failure, here's the bad thing about failure. If you don't know how God responds to failure, you will stay in that failed state and you will never try anything again. Do you know that one of the main fears that people get trapped of is there's, a, there's about two or three of them. There's a fear of commitment, there's a fear of rejection, and there's a fear of failure. Everyone in this room has, uh, has these three main fears that maybe we have been delivered from, that we've battled with from time to time. But the big ones are fear of commitment. That's why people that have been wounded, I'm going to preach a little bit if you don't mind. You've been wounded by a church. You've been wounded by a relationship, especially relationship. If you are wounded in a relationship, it will affect your commitment or your trust in future relationships. If you've been wounded by a church or a leader in a church, when you go to a new one, you'll be very uh, standoffish for a while because you fear commitment. Because in your mind, commitment requires vulnerability, which is true, and it will allow you to get hurt. But let me tell you, I'd rather live vulnerable and take risks than never love people at all. I'd rather take a risk and, and get hurt every now and then to be in a corner in fear and never extending my gifts and talents and love for God. And then the third one is a fear of failure. The reason why people don't start a business, the reason why people don't start a, 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 a ministry that God has called them, the reason why people don't start and begin to do that which is in their heart to do is because they fear fail, the shame that comes with failing. Oh, boy, I could, I could sit with you for an hour and tell you the struggle I had with that, that I, I postponed the call of God because I said, what I I. I I feared failure. Like, what if I fail? You know at the heart of failure, 
at the heart of failure, uh, of, sorry, of the fear of failure is an invisible fear of, the, of, of what people are going to think about you. If you think about, watch this, if you eliminate the fear of man, if you eliminate how people think about you, I guarantee you fear will be, I mean, failure will not be an issue because you'll fail and in your mind no one will ever notice. But the reason we fear failure is because we, we attach identity to ourself when we fail. We now say, look at what everyone's thinking about me. I started something, they believed in me, and now it's all down the drain. I started this business, and now my wife and my, 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 or my husband is just yelling at me because it didn't work. I tried to start a ministry, and only five people came. And now we, I, we, we tag identity on failure. Why do I say this? Because Peter had suffered a moment of failure, not just in his life, but he personally failed the Lord. Imagine what you would feel like in that moment. And I, and I, and I want you to know the beautiful thing of the Lord, that the Lord knew he was going to fail. He called destiny out of him when he was a failure and called him a rock when he was unstable. You know why? Because this is the way that the Lord breaks shame and condemnation and failure in our life. He calls the hidden you potential of what, you're, what he sees you from a healed state, not from a state only that you're in now. Come on, say amen. I want to encourage you this morning that how you see yourself most of the time is not how God sees you. I'm going to say that again. I want to encourage you that you are, that many of you that are beating yourself up with, uh, with an invisible stick on your head because of the fact that you say, by now I should have been teaching, or by now I should have been operating my gifts. I've been saved for 20 years, and I haven't done anything for the Lord. I want to encourage you, God does not see you as you see yourself. He does not. Thank God he doesn't. Could you imagine the roller coaster emotions if God sees us like you see the like Lord, are you having a good day? Not now, I'm having a cracky day. <laughs> Sorry. Every day is a good day. <laughs> oh man. I just went to old school mode there. Not just today is a good day, every day is a good day with Jesus. The Lord sees you through his eyes, and we could be listen, we could be acting out in immaturity. And Jesus does not give up on our immaturity. I want to say something really powerful to you. Jesus does not only enjoy us in our full extent of maturity when we're in heaven. He in actually enjoys us as we are growing. God enjoys us. He doesn't want you to stay there. But he enjoys you as you're growing, not just when you are fully grown in heaven and mature. He enjoys the journey with you. And unless you know that, you will never, ever, ever see God in that way or your, or, your own, or your own life. And what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to convince us that Jesus is finished, not just, he, we, most of us are not convinced, are convinced that he's not finished with us as far as human beings. But the enemy wants to convince us that he is finished with our calling that he gave us when we fail. Come on, Holy Spirit, talk to them. Many of you had, and I'm going I'm I'm to give you an actual scripture of Peter. I'm going to show you, maybe you've never seen this before. I'm going to show you that, that Peter actually thought that. He thought that he was 
He was done with the call of God that God has given him. If you have ever failed, especially in the call of God in your life, it's hard for you to pick it up again. Can I hear an amen? Most could imagine God enjoying them in heaven, but very few imagine God enjoying them in the process of immaturity. Oh, hallelujah. And because of this, many are paralyzed by shame. Say shame. I want you to write this down. It's not going to be on the screen. It's important that you recognize and discern your, your I, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm going to pause and say this. There's a lot of preachers, including me, that have said, don't go by feelings. And it's true. We can't live our lives by feelings. However, we need to recognize our feelings. Because if you don't recognize our feelings, our feelings and your emotions can make you live a certain way if you don't deal with it biblically. I want you to say this after me. If I feel dirty before God, I will act dirty before God. If you feel dirty, you'll live dirty. If you, if you, if you feel and know that you're clean, then, then there's a, a greater propensity for you to walk clean. Because how one thinks in his heart, so one is. And so we have to get to this point where we realize that all of us fail from time to time. Jesus said something even later in that same scripture that I won't turn to because of time. He said, Simon, Simon, a a couple chapters after he said, you're the rock. Watch this. After a couple chapters where Jesus said, you're the rock, Peter, you're you're unmovable, you're stable. By the way, the word Simon means hearing but fragile. In other words, it's wavering. So he, he went from Simon wavering to stable when he was all unstable. God could call you a millionaire while you're broke. And you're like, you must be talking to the wrong person here, Lord. He could call you joyful while you're struggling with depression. Why? Because he calls the end from the beginning. He doesn't see you. His word is not, he doesn't freak out because you're going through a trial. He doesn't say, oh, that's how you are now. No, he says, my thoughts still have not changed about that. After Jesus called Peter a rock. A couple chapters later, he said, now watch, you would think that, P- that Jesus bumped his head like, like well, what are you saying? He called G- G- uh, uh, um, Simon Peter, and then he called Peter Simon. He said, Simon, Simon, two, two times. Satan has desired you to sift you as wheat. Watch, watch. He says, but I have prayed for you. Here's the thing, that your faith should not fail. There's a difference between deliberately quitting and faith not failing. Stumbling for a season is different from turning your back on God altogether. So what you and I have to realize is that in that same verse and in that same story, Jesus was telling Peter and his disciples, you are willing in your spirit, but your flesh is weak. He saw that, that there's a great desire. Let me just pause and say this. Jesus sees the great desire for you to please him. And he understands that there is grace. But I want you to see how, how, how Peter would resort to quitting in his mind because of failure. And he gave up. I'm going to prove to you in Scripture that for a temporary season, he gave up his stability and role as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I'm hanging it up. Because I failed. 
I'm hanging up the call of God on my life because I failed God too much. Let me pause and say this. This is so important. You need to hear this. Because many of you genuinely love God with all your heart, it hurts you when you fail him. And so what happens, when, because it hurts when you fail him, you give up. The enemy convinces you to give up and drop the call of God in your life. And you no longer feel worthy to be used by God. You no longer feel worthy to be a voice before God, to be a menstrual before God, because you failed him so many times that in your mind it's easier to continue to walk away than to face your failures. Watch. How great length God goes to. Now, now I want you to see this. I wrote this down as a quote. It says, the battle of our faith is waged in understanding. It's a little long, so just hear me. The battle of our faith is waged in understanding what God is thinking about us and feeling about us when we discover our weakness of our own flesh. I want to say that again. You know what the real battle is, guys? The battle is really intense in your mind when you discover your own frailty and your own propensity to fail. And that battle is not in, 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 in the fact that you failed or not. The battle is, what is he thinking about me right now as I'm failing? Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Spirit. The battle that you face is, how is God feeling about me after I just committed this thing? How is God, do you love, oh, I hurt you so bad. I'm so, I'm just a waste. I, I've repented like 10 million times. God doesn't, it, you know what? It's just better for me to not even do it anymore because I keep failing him. The battle, the real battle is what you think God thinks about you. Woo. When you experience failure. That's the battle. You know you're not in your head. That's the warfare in your mind. The warfare in your mind is, is I, you know what? I just, it's, it's, it's easy to hang up. It's easy to hang it up. It's easy to just go ahead and we lower our vision and we become second-class citizens instead of sons and daughters. We lower our vision and, and we cannot relate to the shame anymore, so we just keep doing it. Now, I want you to see this. I'm going to be quick today. I, I want the worship team to come up here because I'm, I'm, I'm doing it quick for the outreach. Are you getting something this morning? Now, I'm going to prove to you that Peter hung up his calling. Please listen to me. Oh, I just hear that from the Lord right now. I hear that from the Lord. Some of you feel you failed not because you did something. It's because you haven't done anything. You feel like you're a failure because you haven't, you haven't uh, you know, majorly sinned. You don't have any major open doors, but you still think you're a failure because you have a works mentality only. Now, yes, faith uh, without works is dead, but you don't get your identity by performing. And there's some of you that I just heard the Holy Spirit say, there's some of them in this room that feel like failures, not because they did something, but because they didn't do something or they haven't done something. You know what? Maybe your calling is for you to be able to take, uh, take care of your home in such a way that you raise people and raise children to be, to be mighty warriors in the Lord and that you're providing for your house well and you're providing for the things of God and for the church of God well. And maybe your, your calling is to be a business owner that your sole purpose is to fund the kingdom of God and see it advance on the earth. 
But the problem of why we think we're failing when we don't do anything is because we're constantly bombarded in our society by, by fruitfulness being, look at what I do, look at the pulpit, look at the ministry, look at the albums. And we don't have albums, but we're not teaching. And I'm not saying not to use your gift. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what is your gift and what is your calling, and don't compare it with anybody else. That's good preaching. Well, all I do, well, all I do is just go, you know, all I do is do this in this place. Well, if God has called you to that in that season, you know, that you're, you're making it. Even the people back there in the media team, they can say, well, you know what, I'm not in the pulpit. But these guys are reaching more people than I am. They're making sure that hundreds of people are watching online and, and that you guys have the, the sound and, the, and things of that nature. The gospel is being preached through media. So watch this. You say, Pastor George, how do you know that Peter gave everything up? Are, are you ready for this? Look at me. Peter decided, here's a little prophetic revelation, to go fishing again because that's what he was successful at. Peter said, I will not continue to feel ashamed about what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. So I'm, it, because it hurts me so much that I'm hurting the Lord, I'm going to resort back to my old lifestyle because I was good at that. Let me tell you something. There's a, false, I, there's a false healing movement that says you go back to what you used to do good so that you won't keep failing God. I want, you, I want to break something down for you. Look at John 21. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. I want to, I want to say something prophetic here because I did study on this. G, Peter did not go fishing because he needed money. I, I'm just going to say that. A lot of people say, well, you know, he, he went back to his business because he had no money. No, no, no. He had Jude, they had Judas that took the treasury. And they had they had. They had Way more than provision when it comes to what they were, they were having with the Lord. So, so Peter did not go fishing because he needed more money. Now, you say, this, is there anything wrong with fishing? No, there's nothing wrong with fishing. But what was wrong with fishing is, is this in Peter's life, is that he went, it was his, it was his whole old lifestyle. It represented his old lifestyle, and it represented what he did really good. So he hid, are you ready for this revelation? You could hide behind your giftings. You could hide behind what you do good and never address the areas that you've failed and paused in that area in your life. You cover your failures up by doing good works and you put spiritual fig leaves on your nakedness, which is good works. And as long as we're doing good works, we're not addressing some of the problems that led us to this pattern. So Peter said, I, it's too painful to look at Jesus in the eye anymore. So I'm going to go back fishing. Look, 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 look at this. Simon Peter said to them, John chapter 21, verse 3. I didn't give Zach the scriptures beforehand, so he's just kind of doing it. Thank you, Zach. John chapter 3, verse, uh, sorry, 21, verse 3. Hold on. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Now, now, look at me. The timing of this was not just like I'm going to go fishing. The timing of this, hear me, hear me, please hear me, was right when Jesus looked at him and he denied him three times. He saw Jesus die. He had not seen him resurrected yet. 
Oh, man, I'm going to bring healing to you right now. This is so good. In this moment, Jesus, Peter was saying, you know what? There's no hope for me. I'm just going to give up my calling. There's some of you doing that. I've I've failed so many times. I'm going to go back to what I used to do. I'm going fishing. Look at this. and Look look at how many people joined the boat too. We're going with you. Hey, I'm messed up too, bro. I'm going with you, man. I thought this was I thought this was it. It's not it. I think we failed, man. I think we failed God. I'm going with you. They went out immediately, got into their boat. Look at now, now I'm gonna show you how Peter suffered with shame. You say, how, Pastor George? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. Jesus stood at the shore. Well, sorry, but in the morning had come. Jesus stood at the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, now this is a resurrected Jesus. You follow? Children, do you have food? They answered him, said no. And he said to them, cast it in on the side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw enough fish because of the multitude of the fish. Now watch this. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's, that's just John talking about himself. That's a whole other revelation. You know you, you have identity down pat when you could call yourself in the third person as the one who Jesus loves. Like, like, what's your name? I'm the one who Jesus loves. He was so secure in God's love. He's like, so, so John is writing the book of John several years later, and he's describing the one who Jesus loves told Peter, watch this, told Peter, it's the Lord. Now you would think Peter would be like, oh my God. Watch what Peter did. When Peter heard, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. It's like, I'm not worthy for him to see me. I'm not worthy. The Bible says that the rest of the team came on the boat to shore, but Peter went in the opposite direction. He said, oh, my God, this is the Lord. I rejected him so many times. He's here. See, because he had this false image of the Lord that says he's going to give me a huge bow bow. He, he, when he sees me, that chancleta that's on fire, that, the, the holy sandal, he is going to give me it. See, that's what we think. That's what we think. I know it's funny, but we're like, that's what I would think. I'm like, oh, my God, I just rejected God, and he's alive from the dead. What is he going to do to me? Oh, watch, 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 watch. He plunged into the sea. He was filled with condemnation because of the fact that he had just denied the Lord when he said he wasn't. And by the way, he was, a, he, he was one of Jesus' top three guys. So imagine the shame you feel when you deny the Lord. Watch, watch. He plunged into the sea. He went back to his spiritual comfort zone. But I want you to see, and I'm closing with this. Oh, what great length Jesus took because he knew. Let me pause. Do you not think that Jesus knew what Peter was battling with at that moment? Do you think, because if you read the scripture, it's almost like Jesus was just, hey, boys, let's just have breakfast. And he did. They had a fire. They had fish. And yet Peter's like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? At a distance, he's ashamed, plunged into the sea. I want you to see the announcement that Jesus himself gave by an angel. Look how much God loves Peter and God loves you. 
that he will go out of his way and send an angel to bring a glorious announcement that he is risen and then not just say he is risen, he commands an angel to say, make sure you include Peter's name. You're going to tell my disciples that I'm here, but make sure you say, tell the disciples and Peter that I'm here. But wait a minute, the, Peter was already disciples. So in the angel's mind, he's going to say, hey, when I tell all the disciples that Jesus is risen, that's going to include Peter. But Jesus instinctively knew that Peter wanted nothing with the Lord because of his failures. So he included his personal name in an angelic announcement of his return. Imagine inserting your name that you just failed and said, hey, guys, RCC, tell everyone to meet me here at 12 o'clock tomorrow. I'm here. And also tell Johnny that I'm here. And Johnny comes to RCC, and Johnny may have backslidden and feels ashamed. Mark chapter 16, look at this. Then I'm going to have you show a video. Are you feeling anything from the Lord here? Mark chapter 16. Look at this. This is the last scripture. Maybe. <laughs> come on. Come on. Mark 16 verse 2. Look at this. Look at this. God is breaking chains of failure today. Look at Mark 16 verse 2. Look at this. Are you ready to shout with me? Very early in the morning. Come on, somebody. On the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. Who's they? Who's they? The Mary and Mary Magdalene and the women that came to embalm Jesus' body. And when their son had risen, look at verse 3. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone, the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been already rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, these women saw a young man, which, by the way, that's an angel, okay, just so you know. It wasn't, it was just a dude. It's translated young man, but that word young man is translated as an angel in celestial body with full glory radiating up and down him. The Bible says that they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side of the tomb, and they were alarmed. Duh. Look at, look at the next verse. But this angel said to them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout myself if you don't shout, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Watch this, an angel, an, an angel, okay, an angel. This is, this is the, one of the most biggest announcements. It's not a bulletin like in church. This is an angel sent from heaven. See the place where they laid him. Look at verse 7. But go tell his disciples and Peter. And Peter. And Peter. that he is going before you into Galilee and that you will see the Lord there and he's going to speak to you there. In other words, go tell the one, all the disciples that are not dealing with shame, all the disciples that just followed him, but I also want you to include Peter because he doesn't feel like he's a disciple right now. He feels that he has messed up so bad 
that he's no longer worthy to be called a disciple, a, a disciple of Jesus. So the angel said, make sure you tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus himself wants to see you. Guys, I want you to know it's the way that you view your failures and the way that you respond to failures that will determine if the enemy has victory over your life. Know that there's still God that is calling you by name. I want you to see this video of the story of Peter and Jesus, and then we're going we're gonna to play again, and we're going to pray for you because there's restoration for those who failed, especially the call of God is still in your life. If you could have that video ready, I want you to see this video. I want you to play for it right now. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, His crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat, and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice, and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there, and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net, and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up, and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. And then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster clucking. I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it. All right. Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, Yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? 
Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. Someone say amen. I'm going to end with this. I can tell the Holy Spirit's touching people. This is how Jesus responds to failure. But we respond to failure as I don't want to do anything for the Lord anymore because I failed him so many times. Pick that up again today in the Jesus name. Pick that calling up again. Let me tell you something. There's two things that you need to do to receive healing from failure. Number one. I saved the best for last. I'm, going, I'm asking one last scripture after this, but I want, I want to drive it home. Please listen. Two things that will help you from feeling a failure. Number one, receiving the affirmation of Jesus in the midst of your failure and knowing that he really means it and doesn't have any strings attached. Some of you, you, you say, what do you mean strings attached? Here's what I mean. You say, well, I know he loves me, but he's through with my calling. No. Receive the affirmation. Are you ready for this one? This is not, you're not going to, this is just more revelation here because I've gone through it. The second key to be healed from feelings of failure that's gotten you stuck is to learn how to forgive yourself. You have no problem forgiving people that hurt you because you know it's the right thing to do and you don't want to deal with anger all the time. So you just get it over with and say, I forgive them. But when's the last time you looked at yourself and said, you know what, I forgive myself because died, God died for me too. Do you know that not forgiving yourself is also unforgiveness? And the Bible says you cannot have your sins forgiven if you have unforgiveness. Do you know that God made you in his image so that when you don't forgive yourself, you're actually not forgiving an image and a son of God that he created? Some of you, in order to drop that failure, you need to start forgiving yourself. I feel the Holy Spirit here. How did God restore him? Is it, how, did, how, how did now finally God restore Peter? How many times did, G, did Peter deny Jesus? How many times? Jesus comes on the scene and he says, he restores Peter three times for each denial that he had. He's a God of full restoration. He didn't say, Peter, do you love me? Watch this. This is a revelation I got. Then we're going to pray. He said, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Watch this. Watch this. Pastor Keith, watch this. He said, do you love me? Yes. Now watch this. I'm giving you your assignment back. Feed my sheep. Here, here's my love, and my love brings the attachment of it, of the, the original call I gave you when, just three years ago when you were fishing uh, for fish, and I said, you're going to have a fish for men. He said, feed. In other words, I trust you still with feeding my sheep, even in your insecurities. Do you love me? Yes. Here's your assignment back. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. Feed my lambs. I've not given up on you. I know that you still could do it. You have a teaching gift in you. You have a shepherding gift. Teach those little ones. 
me? Yes, you, the one who feels like you failed because now you got more to teach them. Do you love me? You know that I love you. Then tend my sheep. Three times the assignment of God was restored to Peter. Here's the last revelation. Jesus made Peter shout out loud, I love God, three times in order for fully restore him because in his mind, he no longer loved God. So he goes, Peter, this is how I'm going to restore you. Say with me out loud. I love God. I love God. Do you love me? I love you. That's a prophetic proclamation because he denied God and so he felt he didn't love him. Okay, say it one more time. Say it two more times. All right, ready? Peter, do you love me? Yes. So say it. I love you. You know what he was doing? He was restoring prophetically that time that he was walking a distance and the girl said, do you know him? I don't know him. I don't love him. I don't know what you're talking about. Now Jesus said, it's okay. Just say, confess it. You know sometimes what you need to do in order to receive healing, you need to confess the very opposite of what, you're, what you went through and so that you could receive what the Lord has. That's why people, when they get healed supernaturally, in my experience, from bitterness and years of bitterness that have eaten them up, you know what I tell them to do? I say, not only forgive them, but say, I love you. So their dad that they've hated for years, I said, I forgive their dad. And I said, repeat after me, I love you, dad. They're like, I can't say that. You don't know what they did. I said, just repeat, just say, I love you, dad. I love you, dad. When they say, I love you, dad, I forgive you, dad. The freedom of the Lord comes because there's power in confession. Let me tell you something. Today, if you failed, there's grace for your failure. If you failed, if you feel like you haven't done anything, the Lord is still saying, tell my disciples and Susie. Tell my disciples and Jimmy. Tell my disciples and George. Tell my disciples and Johnny. Tell my disciples and Susie. Tell my disciples that I wanted, and that person that had failed, tell them I still want to not only speak to them, but I want to give them responsibility in Jesus' name. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift, get up your seat before the Lord. I believe callings are going to be restored. I believe intercessors are going to start rising up again. I believe pastors are going to start rising up again. I believe some of you that you feel you failed and you had a singing gift and you bet that and you put that singing gift on the, on the altar because you felt like God is not going to use me anymore. Today God is saying pick up the call of God and I'm saying to you feed my lambs, feed my sheep, whatever that looks like for you, the Lord wants to restore you and give you peace. Come on, lift up your hands. He's going to give you grace in the midst of failure. If you failed this morning, He's going to give you grace to see yourself differently and to see the Lord differently. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.